0: Good morning. good morning. You know me, I don't like to get up there. I'll probably trip over the stairs. I got enough issues. I don't need to add to them. Uh, ah, ah, it is. It, it's a It's a wake-up call. I guess you can hear me, huh? Okay, good. Uh, pray with me, will please, because I'm kind of nervous. Father, we thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you that you have worked in my heart, in my will. And I pray, Lord, that as I try to bring this word, that you will give me courage and to be fearless. Bless us, Lord, with the presence of your Holy Spirit, and teach us, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, (laughs) the Lord's been working on me, uh, really, for the last couple of months. He's been doing a work in my heart, and he brought me to a realization that, as a kid, there were things, and as an adult, I grew up thinking that I was just depressed on and off my whole life, just up and down, you know, long bouts. Turns out the depression was a symptom because what was really wrong is I had a, I had a massive disappointment in just everything. Humanity, God, church, government. And so this morning, well, I just can't imagine I would ever say this, but I'm throwing down a gauntlet to that stronghold in my life. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you don't check disappointment with the Word of God, with the fellowship of your brothers and your sisters, it'll take you down a path that you will not even recognize. Two months ago, this whole thing started for me really in earnest. You know, I've been going through a two- or three-year tune-up is about the best way to put it, and it's been really wonderful, and it's all been um, just peaches and cream, you know, nothing really bad. It was all like, God's all good. God's good, you know. And I guess it had to happen first, but I was reading um, in the Psalms, Psalm 18, and uh, I had been thinking about this, you know, this massive disappointment, and I started asking myself, well, is this still active in my life? Am I still, do I, am I prone to just be disappointed? in people. See, you know what disappointment is? It's when your expectations aren't filled. When my expectations of how the world should operate, how Christians should behave, how the government should operate, I think what happens there is you set your, I set myself in God's place. And the thing is that i got to ask the question, does God have expectations? I mean, yeah, expectations, but is he uh, thrown into a massive hissy fit because you didn't fulfill those expectations or the government doesn't fulfill those expectations? God is not uh, surprised by anything that we do. Uh, But I also know that in in what I've been shown, is I don't know that there was ever an intention for us to be disappointed. Think about that. It doesn't seem like in the creation story that there was any place for that. Was Adam and Eve, you think before the fall, they were sitting around going, man, I wish God would have made that mango tree a little closer. (laughs) I just don't think there was this uh, disappointment that we have now, so maybe this is something that has grown over the years in in human experience. Maybe that's just something that has become a part of us. Science tries to say that, it's an evolutionary thing, and that this was a defense mechanism so we could all socialize. When you were, disru- When you, were, you know, disappointed, you could have certain facial, yeah, okay. There's validity to that, but I would say it's more related to just our, all of our common experience in life. Uh, so I see it, and I believe that this is a biblical truth that it isn't sin to be disappointed. But in your disappointment, in my disappointment, there's great opportunity to be tempted to try to use your power to overcome a situation that you have no control over anyway. Many of us have had to go through the heartbreaking experience of watching our kids just go through hell on earth. And we try and try and we try to intervene and do this and to do that. And then the ultimate truth is the Lord has to work in their heart. And we, I sometimes make my expectations so high that it's just not realistic. I want you to be perfect all the time. Uh, But I had been, uh, I studied this verse, and um, I think there are some correlations that we can look at. Uh, And it's the life of David and the life of Saul and the life of Samuel all together at the same time is covered in 1 Samuel. Uh, But before we get there, if we ever get there, because I'm rambling. And this isn't working. There we go. Bear with me. This is a newfangled gadget. In um, Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3, we read these words. And this is a Psalm of David. And I'm going to read the title. You may have this in your Bible uh, in a little different print right above the chapter be, there's a blurb about what this psalm is about, okay? And I don't know why I've never heard anybody preach on this, because it's part of it, and it gives the history and the background of why why this verse, this psalm was written. But it is. Psalm 18, 1 through 3, and David writes, our, this is the title, I'm sorry, To the Chief Musician, now, that's the guy who ran all the music, Mitch, Brother Mitch, in the temple. And when you handed him the words to the song, it was like a copyright. He was to protect that psalm. He was to archive it and put it to music. So this was something David said, this is, Israel needs this to, to be able to uh, worship with. So, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Now, if you know the story of David and Saul, Samuel was the last judge in Israel. And Israel demanded a king. They wanted to be like the Philistines. They wanted to be like the Hittites and the Malachites and all the other powerful uh, empires that were around them. And they were not satisfied with the government that God had given them, which was the judge system. And so they kept demanding a king and demanding a king, and finally the Lord answered their prayer, and he gave them what they wanted, inner Saul. But Saul's a Benjamite. It says he was head and shoulders above everyone in Israel. He was handsome. He was a probably really good warrior. His father was considered a mighty man, a mighty man of valor. So, in that world where everybody is a warrior, everybody is trained, almost all those people that were warriors could have made the SEALs or the Delta easily. That's just the nature of the beast back then. But so they scour the countryside and they call all the Israelites together and Samuel is trying to find the first king and the lot falls to Saul. And so they didn't realize, I don't think they realized at all what they had asked for. But they wanted to be as powerful and as great as all of their enemies. So Saul, the Benjamite, uh, is elected. Is not really the right word, but the consensus was, yeah, that's the guy we want. That good-looking, tall, athletic guy that looks good on camera. There were no cameras, but you know what I mean. He talks good. He looks good, you know. And that's what they got. The Lord gave it to him, and i they just embraced him. Yeah, now we're on a roll. Now we're going to be uh, an empire to be dealt with because we have this leader. But there was a flaw in Saul that's noted all the way through this story. And Saul was a proud man. Like, not good proud. He was power-hungry. And it grew and it grew as his time went on. He became even more and more of this type of a leader. And yes, he did go out and he did win wars and, and uh, he did fulfill those duties, but he loved the trappings of office. He loved the glory of the office. Um, and so after several events, you know, where they were, you can look in, in uh, 1 Samuel. About chapter nine, 8 is where Israel asked for a king. And then Saul is found around chapter 9. And it talks about some of his conquests and the wars. But then he does some foolish things. And this is what leads the Lord to reject Saul. He commits a... Unlawful sacrifice. He jumped ahead of Samuel, who was supposed to offer all the sacrifices, but he didn't want to wait on God. And so he just jumped ahead and he carried out this unlawful sacrifice. And then he made a rash vow when they were fighting the Philistines. And uh, he swore an oath and he said, If anybody eats before I take vengeance on these Philistines tonight, you're going to be, I'm going to cut your head off, basically. And uh, his son, Jonathan, was the first one to find that there was some honey on the ground, and he dipped the stick he had in the honey and took a taste, and later on Saul found out about it, and so it just ended up making Saul look like a complete buffoon. And the Lord didn't appreciate this rash vow, or he didn't appreciate... Uh, his disobedience in doing this sacrifice without, it wasn't sanctioned. And so in the end, it wasn't so much because of Saul's uh, the things that he did, like the sacrifice and that, but it was more about where his heart was. He was caught up in being the best to being he was caught up in being having the power and so in the end the Lord rejected him and it, he left him in office and Saul uh, still went about his business but he he let he rejected him as king but he left him in office think about what a mess that would have been if the Lord would have just said oh, Saul you're gone there's a, there's a vacuum, a power vacuum. That doesn't sound very biblical, but those things happened back then too. And so in God's grace, at least he left Saul in charge of the army and to ward off the Philistines. And in the meantime, the Lord sent Samuel out to find the king, a king. And you know the story from Sunday school. Uh, Samuel goes to the Bethlehemite, Jesse, and Jesse has these sons, and they're all strapping young men that are warriors and valiant and all that. And it ends up that he says, Who's that one? The, the kid out there with the sheep, and that's David. And uh, so David is the one who is chosen uh, as to be the successor to Saul and you can see almost point for point in Saul's behavior and in David's behavior how Saul was continually disappointed because the nation and even God wasn't meeting his expectations Uh, For the way that this should be, the way that the war should have been carried out and the Philistines conquered. But David, on the other hand, gave himself to the Lord fully. And we hear, you know, later on that uh, he was a man after God's own heart. I say this to, to try to put some sort of an emphasis on the kinds of ways that we can respond to these disappointments. One reflects pride. One reflects, I'm going to do what I think is right, and I'm not waiting on God. While David's response all the way through has been this prayer in uh, Psalms. You will have to forgive me. I'm going to get my Bible I should have never brought that dumb thing. (laughs) This was the wrong day to do it. In. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the, wor- the to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. And here's the thing. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And this is what I would take away from this, personally, that if I'm going to throw down a defense, against this disappointment, any disappointment, knowing that I have a tendency to let it run away with itself. The only way I'm going to have defense against that is to lean into the fact that the Father loves me, that the Son died for me, that he was raised so that I might have eternal life, and maybe I'm making more of this than I should, but these are, these are real issues that real people have in the church. And I don't know that we don't gloss over. Um, we come in and we say we're fine, and we don't ever really want to tell anybody exactly what's going on. And I wonder if that's not something that we have become accustomed to. Um, and I hope that that is also something that we can work on. See, I'm all over the place and I know it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I know that. But we have, we live in time, right? But my life is in Christ, hidden. And it will be revealed one day when he returns. I will know what I really am as far as a, a heavenly being. You will know. But until that time, we're here in the real world. And we've sang a lot of songs and we've talked about verses this morning about how God is our stronghold and our shield and our strength and who we can turn to when this world is beaten us up. When people are beating us up. uh, Think about all the ways you can be disappointed. You got laid off. A person you love was unfaithful. They broke your heart. Those are the things that make people go into these depressions hate to use that word. I think it's overused, but it's also a reality because we have to do a better job of saying, look, I'm having an issue with this. I just can't forgive so-and-so. Um, and we need to do a better job at listening to that too. So I'm, I'd say this just to encourage us to be honest and to be open and to be vulnerable and also to be able to listen to that person i should be uh, safe for my enemies when i realize my enemies aren't people my enemies are all these all this baggage that i've been toting around for the last 50 years um And so to overcome that, I intend to uh, take a step back and take a breath and remember who I am and and what the Lord has done for me. Um, Let's say that in, in that moment where you are, Speechless at what has happened. It's very hard to carry that burden and not um, for me to understand that it usually, when I'm in that position, it really is because my expectations were let down and not the Lord's. And so I depend on the Lord to help us because in James, he says that you accept that which is common to man, and he says, or in James, he says, for us to count it all joy when we encounter various trials, and do you have a hard pro- time with that? I have a hard time counting it all joy when I encounter various trials. But I do know um, that there's always a reason that we can turn to the Lord and that we can gather his understanding of what's going on. Um, So my encouragement this morning is that... If you're you're finding yourself coming up in odds against the culture or what the news says or that person in your life who just can't seem to get on a roll And if it is an interfering in, with you in any way by making you angry, like, not unhealthy angry, but the kind of anger that doesn't go away. This is my experience. This is what I carry, is anger and disappointment that did not subside. And so you ignore it, and it turns into more anger the next time. And if I think that I'm going to be able to change human nature then I'm the one with the issue (laughs) not so much the other person that is God's job Uh, so I ask you this morning I'm I'm just going to ask you to Search your own heart. Search your own life. See if there is some way that you're being held back to value people beyond measure, right? That is where I think we fail. That's probably where we fail the most. I look at somebody and I'm looking at that and I'm saying I know what that is and I don't like it and it's below me. And I'm convicted by that. I am. And so I just want to give a, an offering of my experience. Um, I did not do a real good job of it, but my experience of it is that there's always a, a time in my, there's been a time in my life now where the Lord is showing me that to walk in this world in a manner that's worthy of the gospel is nothing like what I thought it was. Um, And I'm trying to get a grip on uh, this idea of how how we live in this world with human beings and how we also have one foot in eternity. And I think the best explanation I heard was that it's like uh, single time and married time. In single time, you don't have a boss. In single time, you don't have to work with anybody. You did what you wanted to do. And when married time came around, you stood before a justice of the peace or a pastor and they pronounced some magical words over you. And you walked out the door and everybody said, congratulations, you're married. Did you really change as a person? No, not really. You are married. I am in Christ. Right? And it is a marriage. I am in Jesus. I am in Christ. I no longer live but Christ lives through me. The work is when you're married, you now have someone that you're accountable to and for and responsible for. And I think that is probably the image that was used when we talk about the marriage supper of the lamb and how we are his bride. Is that this poorly presented idea of not? Um, letting um, disappointment run my life is the work that I have to do in the marriage. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I am going to ask, and that you guys will pray for me, yeah. that you'll help me because I'm. Pretty old, and I've been a believer for a long time, but I'm actually pretty much a baby (laughs) when it comes right down to it. Because I didn't understand so many things that I, boy, just had the wrong, completely wrong interpretation of. So I ask that you pray for me as I work through this, and I just want to offer to you the beautiful work that we have before us is to become more and more like jesus in our patience and our uh mercy and love and it takes great courage to do any of those but we've not been given a spirit of timidity we've been given a spirit of power and does take courage to say I'm not going to go with the flow um, of our culture and I'm going to be humble before the Lord and I'm going to let him do this work in me that needs to be done. That prepares us for the world to come. Um, and I think uh, that the Bible's pretty clear that we don't just get to sit on the laurels and of yesterday, but this is a refreshing new work all the time. As far as we go, we can still go farther. As much as has been revealed, more can be revealed. Uh, and that isn't to say that we're all horrible, terrible people. I know this congregation is far from that. I love all of you. But I am. (laughs) I'm working on it. Um, And with that, I pray that as you go out this week, when something disappoints you, and you really think that you're right about why it disappointed you, because people just need to do right. Well, they don't. And the quicker especially young people, this sounds really negative, but the quicker you understand that the world can be a very disappointing place and come to grips with it under Jesus, the much better off you'll be as you try to walk with the Lord. So this week I offer that to you as possibly a discipline that you might need to build into your life. I surely do. Uh, we pray with me, mm, Heavenly Father. I pray that you'll take these words, and if anything has been said, stir some of our hearts, find room for forgiveness for others, or. of our own personal pride and our viewpoints and our actions. I pray, Lord, that you would use these to your glory and to our benefit. I thank you that uh, you don't forsake us. I thank you that you are always steadfast that you are our stronghold and our fortress and we run into your fortress and i thank you jesus and i pray these things in your name if you